Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Snipe and Sally podcast, FTF Media's guide to anything and everything happening on the ice. I'm your host, Mark, and I am joined once again by my awesome line mates. A little bit of a change today. I have Haley and Lauren with me, but I also have a newcomer to Snipe and Sally. You know him from the Clouded Mind podcast, recently started here on FTF Media. It is Charlie. Charlie, what's going on? Uh, what's going on? We are really excited to have you here, subbing in uh, for Jake today, uh, talking uh, it's a little hockey, a little bit of fight, uh, fight night. Uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be fun. So yeah, I happy, appreciate it. <laughs> happy to have you on here. Uh, Lauren and Haley, how are you both today? Doing great. Excited to talk some fights and get into what the last week has been. I'm doing good. I wish that, you know, wasn't on call so I could have some wine for our hockey and wine podcast, but not again. Yeah. Uh, shout out to my entire crew here uh, being so accommodating. We had to shift our usual recording window this week. We are recording on Tuesday night, the 23rd. If you are listening to this, uh, it's you know, the next day, uh, Wednesday, the 24th or later, who knows. But uh, we usually like to record on weekends, but we're doing this late on a Tuesday evening. So let's just uh, let's jump into it. Uh, as we've alluded to, this is going to be a fun episode talking about our favorite hockey fights. That'll be the, the end of our episode. We do have some stuff to touch on first. So stay tuned over the next hour or so to hear our thoughts on what's been going on around the National Hockey League and the hockey world as a whole since the last time we all got together. And so, without further delay, let's drop the puck for our opening face-off. And so, right off the top, uh, we're in the middle of more COVID shutdowns across the National Hockey League. We are uh, just days away from a resumption for the NWHL. Uh, so, let's jump into it. Uh, Lauren, do you have an opening face-off for us? Uh, you know, you just came off Boston Pride media availability. Any, uh, any nuggets there or just uh, general thoughts from you? Yeah, I mean, this team obviously is very hungry to win the Isabel Cup. Um, everyone knows by this point that the 2020 Isabel Cup was canceled because of COVID. And this time last year, you know, we didn't really know a whole lot about COVID and what it was really going to, like, what was going to happen and come from it. So now that the, the women are back, they are very, very hungry. They're ready. And... I didn't even realize this. I thought he was, I knew he was up there, but um, head coach Paul Mara is the winningest coast, co coach, my God, in NWHL history. Um, and so Jillian Dempsey had a really great, just kind of um, like two minute response about just how he's changed the team and how he's really been helpful to the team. And just goes to show that, that they just respect him so much and really love what he's brought to the team. And it's clear they've, been so dominant the last three seasons since he came aboard so um that was just really cool to hear and I'm really looking forward to these games I think they're going to be competitive they're going to be fast um and hopefully Boston wins I I need a championship in Boston I'm deprived yeah and Lauren may have tipped her hand a little bit there we will be doing some predictions for uh, the uh, NWHL uh, Isabel Cup semifinals and final later in the episode um but I have a feeling that Boston Pride That'll come up a lot in our prediction section. I mean, I'm just tossing it out there. I think that's, that's going to be the case. Um, Haley, about yourself, do you have an opening face-off for us tonight? So I picked up my prescription yesterday, and I wore my Flyers jersey to do it. 
And my pharmacist was a Columbus Blue Jackets fan. So, you know, we, we talked they a little exist. bit. Apparently. They were like, oh, don't see many Flyers fans out here. And I was like, whoa. Okay, I'm from that area. And so, anyways, I um, admitted that the Flyers are stinking a hot pile of garbage right now. And I was like, but I'm more excited for the NWHL tournament that is coming up the end of this month. So I'm just letting other people know so that they can tune in and we can get lots of viewership for this tournament. Yeah, listen, Hales, if my team just lost nine to nothing uh, within the last week, I'd probably be looking to distract people from them as well. Uh, I mean, yeah, just, just saying. Yeah, I've pretty much given all hope all of my hope on them is pretty much lost, but I'll get into that later. Yeah, well, uh, I'm sure I'm sure it'll come up again. Um, but yeah, that uh, again, anticipation for the Isabel Cup uh, restart at an all-time high, especially here on this podcast. Excited to talk about it, Charlie. Not to put you on the spot, man, but uh, you know, do you have an opening face-off for us today? Anything that's uh, that's kind of on your mind, uh, hockey-related? Um, yeah, honestly, I, I've been hearing a lot of. Uh, uh Marcus Ekholm talk from Nashville um and I I honestly I just I'd like to see him in a Bruins jersey um I know the two teams in on him are us and the um the Flyers but I I could totally see um you know us giving up DeBrusque because we haven't been playing him and he doesn't seem to really fit the scheme anymore as much as I did like him like a few years ago um I wouldn't mind giving up the brusque and you know maybe a second and or third um for a big defenseman that we're definitely in need of um for two years yeah and listen uh if charlie's willing to talk trade we might have to bring him on again as we get closer to the the april 12th trade deadline uh you know that it's coming up and teams might actually start making trades soon because uh you have the mandatory quarantine period so uh, you could start seeing a flurry of deals within the next, uh, you know, week, week and a half or so. So uh, yeah, something to look out for. We might have a little snipe and selly competition uh, for Ekholm between the Flyers and the Bruins. Uh, the Bruins' pursuit of a defenseman, you know, never hurts to strengthen yourself. I don't understand why that's necessarily a priority right now. The Bruins rank in the top five in terms of fewest shots allowed and also fewest goals against. Uh, so defensively, they have been pretty stout all season long. It's their lack of secondary scoring that's puzzling me. But listen, Don Sweeney is a more is a much smarter man than I. So we'll have to see uh, what he goes about uh, as the trade deadline approaches. So uh, thank you there for that, Charlie. So let's kind of uh, let's kind of get into it. Um, well, all right, I, I do have an opening face off myself, uh, and again, this is a hockey podcast, not just uh, NHL and not just Bruins, but my. Opening face-off is Bruins-related as well, and that is please, please, please let David Pasternak be all right. Uh, I'm hoping that his uh, placement on the NHL's COVID protocols list is uh, false positive or just like contact tracing. I'm, I'm hoping that he is not a, a positive COVID case, uh, and I just hope that he's doing well. Hope that he goes to bed early tonight, gets plenty of fluids. Uh, you know, David I need you. I need to be able to tweet my Pasternak goal celebration gifts uh, you know, on a nightly basis. And if the Bruins do end up returning to play on Thursday after their own COVID pause, God knows we have so many COVID pauses uh, across the league that, uh, that you'll be out there. So, David, I hope you're well. And, and I know you're listening. Uh, and also go to Lauren's wedding. 
<laughs> I will also say too that Bruce Cassidy today um, seemed optimistic that Sean Corrales would be the only one not available Thursday, minus the injured players. Um, he did say that everyone has to test negative to practice tomorrow, but that the five are still on the COVID list, um, but only ruled Corrales out from that list. So fingers crossed, and that uh, David will will listen to this and hear us, and he'll hear Roxy be angry that he's still on the list. But I thought that was good news today that only Corrales was uh, definitely ruled out. That is great news, and yes, that was our mascot, Roxy. Um, we uh, we love having her on the show. <laughs> definitely just woke up my great dane pepper she was looking at me like what was that so we have another we have a few mascots this episode yeah it just once again proof that snipe and Sally is not only a hockey and wine podcast but also a, a pucks and pups podcast as well so we we we've branded ourselves uh to fit a very diverse audience i would say but uh, let's get on into it. There's not a ton of news to discuss today, and that's uh, why we kind of structured our show a little bit differently, but there is some to touch on. Um, and so the first piece of news, just the way that we had to reschedule our show, it ended up timing perfectly uh, because just earlier today, we did get news that the NHL is going to be making some changes to the draft lottery. Um, and so I, I want to get everyone's thoughts on this because I, I'm I'm a fan of trying to eliminate tanking and uh, preserving competitive balance. But these particular changes, and I'll get into them in just a second here. I don't know. They, they just seem unnecessary. Uh, I, I, I feel like this is an example of a league just kind of pushing the veggies around on the plate to make them look like they're being eaten. Uh, I think they're trying to fix a problem that doesn't necessarily exist in the national hockey league. Uh, I don't think that there's really a tanking problem uh, you know, I don't think tanking is as obvious as you see in the National Basketball Association or uh, even the NFL. I think there are just some teams that are just bad, like the Sabres, for example. They're just a bad team year after year. Uh, they, are, they might be cursed. I don't know. But they're not intentionally trying to lose games. They just stink. Uh, but the changes to the NHL draft lottery that were approved by the Board of Governors just earlier today, uh, the first point is that the number of lottery draws – will be reduced from three to two starting this year. So just seeing it literally just by one uh, so that the last place team can't draft any lower than third overall. Uh, so previously, if you finish with the worst record, AKA the Buffalo Sabres, most likely, uh, you know, you could get screwed by the ping pong balls and wind up picking as low as fourth. Uh, that was the furthest that you could drop, uh, but you could drop that far. Now they're saying, well, if they get screwed and someone else wins the lottery, the worst they can uh, pick is third. So, I mean, sure. <laughs> like, not, not much of a, a change there, but, but fine. Uh, the second point is that the maximum move up, uh, the, you know, uh, the most a team can move up the board um, is limited to 10 spots. So only 11 teams can win the lottery now uh, and pick first overall. Uh, the previous uh, or the current total is 16. So half the league, essentially, uh, especially once the uh, Seattle, um, Seattle Kraken, I'm sorry, I'm blanking there. The Seattle Kraken are introduced into the league uh, and that's going to start in 2022. So that's a little bit more significant saying that, uh, that only 11 teams can win the lottery as opposed to 16. Uh, so that's giving the, the really bad teams 
a lot better of a chance as opposed to, you know, teams that just narrowly missed out on the playoffs, getting an opportunity to potentially win the lottery. So they're improving competitive balance a little bit there. Uh, and then the final point is that uh, no team can win the draft lottery more than twice in a five-year period. And that's again, starting in 2022. I mean, I don't necessarily think, you know, Pittsburgh stands out to me as a team that won the lottery a couple times in a row uh, around the time that Crosby and Malkin entered the league. For the most part, though, you know, Chicago as well, uh, around, uh, you know, not too uh, much just before, I believe. But I don't typically see a lot of teams, uh, you know, winning the lottery constantly. So I, I, I don't know if this is, was a necessity, but regardless, it happened. Uh, so, Lauren, I want to go to you first. Did you think that these changes to the draft lottery process were remotely necessary? Uh, do you think that it's going to impact the draft in any way, shape, or form? Just what are your thoughts in general? Yeah, um, I think you said it perfectly. I think it's it doesn't really help. I understand it's meant to help the the teams that finish lower in the NHL, but I mean the Red Wings were dead last. It didn't really help them last year. I know the Oilers won three seasons in a row and it kind of irked people and I mean, whatever, but at the end of the day, it's all about luck and how those ping pong balls fall. Um, I don't really think, like I said, just luck. I don't think anything really changes that unless you want to do something boring and being like last team gets first pick, second to last team gets second pick. Um, this makes it fun and this kind of makes it, um, entertaining and it gives fans something to, to whine about something to celebrate so I don't think I really don't think it's going to change anything to be honest um I think that teams are still gonna win that maybe shouldn't win the draft lottery um and same with the other rules I just I don't really see them making a huge impact and maybe it does I but right now it's just when I was reading over them I was like at the end of the day, this isn't groundbreaking. It's just a little bit of tweaking and nothing really serious here. Yeah, I didn't really see a problem with the lottery the way that it was. I mean, I, I, I remember, you know, just a few months ago, because obviously the, the normal league schedule calendar was tweaked because of COVID. Uh, I remember there being a lot of people who thought that the lottery was rigged in order to get Alexi Lafreniere to the Rangers uh, you know, they, they did move a decent amount of slots uh, up uh, and secured that, uh, that number one pick. But, I, I mean, they had relatively good odds. I, I, I feel like this is a way to say, hey, listen, there's no way that a team that, you know, just narrowly missed out on the postseason uh, could, you know, could wind up getting uh, the number one pick. And really, the Rangers only made the postseason last year because they expanded the field to 24 teams. So, uh, you know, they – I, it just, it feels like a little bit of an overcorrection. Um, it, it's not like I'm complaining because uh, at the end of the day, the teams that finish the worst uh, in the standing should be the ones with the better odds to improve themselves at a, at a fast pace. But it, it just seems like they were fixing a problem that didn't exist. Uh, Charlie, do you, do you kind of get into draft lottery things in general? Uh, you know, the NHL draft is obviously a little bit different because with the exception of the top, you know, five or six picks it seems like the majority of these guys they stay and they play juniors anyway they you know they're they don't wind up in the nhl for you know a few years uh yeah i don't i honestly i've never been like a big lottery guy like even in the nba i don't really 
I understand that it's, you know, like fun for the fans to, you know, dabble about. Um, and, you know, everyone has their hope, but like, I like giving, I like the way the MLB and the NFL do it. Like I really do. It's a risk reward type of thing. Um, especially when you come to like trading future picks. Um, so I never was a big fan of the lottery and these, these changes don't really seem to do much like at all. I mean, I, I think it's funny that they made the change right after they had so many complaints about last year's draft. It's as if they're trying to hide the fact that what had happened was actually true. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've never been a huge lottery guy. So Charlie is taking the place of Jake in more ways than one, because Jake was our resident conspiracy theorist uh, on that episode uh, who, uh, who claimed that, uh, you know, there, there could be a little bit of, a little bit of Patrick Ewing uh, action uh, in that lottery to make sure Lafreniere ended up in a big market. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wish that there was more draft pick trading uh, in the NHL draft. Uh, you know, to your point, you see it a ton in the NFL, you see it a ton in the NBA, but in the NHL draft, you don't see a ton of pick trading in the first round, at least. Uh, usually it's just kind of, uh, it's kind of chalk. So maybe their draft would actually be a little bit more entertaining if uh, you know, teams were you know, dealing picks around more, uh, more often. And maybe that would make the lottery have higher stakes uh, because, you know, you had more to lose out on. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to think about, uh, you know, Haley, I know that you're not a big uh, free agency or draft person in general. You just tend to f- like to focus on the product on the ice. Uh, but what are your thoughts when an organization kind of makes decisions that, like this that seem kind of pointless? Uh, you know, do you kind of agree with Charlie that they're trying to distract people from the fact that there were some complaints about the last year's draft? Uh, you know, do you think that there might, may have been a cause for this? I don't know if they're trying to like distract people, but I feel like anytime somebody complains about something, they feel like they have to fix it. Even if it's literally fixing it, like you said, pushing veggies around a plate, like we fixed it, but did we really, right? I mean, did we really do that much to fix it? But because you get all this criticism, um, like we talked about on Fierce and Flawed with the NCAA, like, oh, we got all this criticism. So now we have to fix it. So here you go. I guess we'll give you a weight room because, you know, that everybody's mad at us for not doing it in the first place so it's like did they want to make the changes probably not they probably did it because of the criticism I don't know if it's for conspiracy or just because they want to try to please people and that seemed to be the best way to do it yeah and if anyone is unfamiliar with the NCAA uh, basketball story that uh, Haley just referenced um, definitely look into it Uh, it was all uh, around Twitter towards the end of last week um some significant discrepancies in the way the NCAA treats uh, men and women uh, athletes. Uh, the NCAA, don't even get me started on the NCAA. Haley opened up Pandora's box here. I think it's a legitimate criminal organization. Uh, but in this particular case, uh, the mistreatment of, uh, of women, uh, women's athletes, um, especially with Title IX in place, was, was awful. So definitely read into that story um, if, uh, if you have a chance. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree, Hales. I, I just, I, yeah, something this just seemed like an unnecessary change, but you, you're right. It could have been made simply as a knee jerk reaction. Oh, people complaining. They think that, uh, you know, uh, a team that didn't have as good odds to win the lottery won it fine. We'll, we'll lessen the amount of teams that can win it. We'll say, you know, you can only win it once every five years. So if you're horrible for five consecutive years, cough, cough, Buffalo, 
you only get one crack at uh, at get, getting your number one uh, your number one pick. Uh, it, it it at the very least it should help improve competitive balance. I just don't feel like competitive balance is currently a problem in the NHL. That's just that's what I the way that I look at it. I just I feel like they're just trying to correct something that's not an issue. But listen. Uh, the decision's been made. Uh, Board of Governors approved it. We'll see. We'll see how it goes because these changes will go into effect starting this year. Uh, for at least uh, the first point, the other two will uh, start up in 2022. The other piece of news that I wanted to make sure we uh, touched on before we went into our discussion. Um, this was, uh, th- especially with this being an NWHL-focused uh, episode as well. The league looks to be expanding. Um, and, uh, and so very exciting news, although it's into a market that I hate. Uh, so this was first reported last week by uh, Marissa and Jemmy, uh, but the NWHL is going to be expanding into Montreal. So they'll be adding a seventh team. Uh, it could be Lauren, correct me if I'm wrong. It could be as early as next season, but possibly, uh, uh, the season afterward. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So, so the but bottom line is the NWHL is going to be expanding soon. So, I mean, we just talked about the immense amount of success that the league had uh, through its, its streams. It's going to have an excellent uh, weekend on NBCSN. Uh, it has a fantastic partnership with Discover. And now, this is the part of the story that interests me: is that apparently this new Montreal franchise could be owned by groups that currently own teams across the league. That, that's something that, that presents a potential conflict of interest. And I'm wondering if, uh, I'm wondering if that could get a little dicey. Lauren, do you have any thoughts on, on, you know, and number one, the expansion, uh, you know, adding another team again on the East coast, we still have not been able to get further than really the, the Minnesota. It's pretty much Minnesota and all Northeast. Uh, maybe eventually we'll add a team out, uh, out in a, in a, out west market, uh, but you know the expansion of the league number one and number two, yes, the potential of groups that already own teams owning a second one in the league. You know, I've heard of owners, uh, you know, owning multiple teams in different leagues, uh, like you know N- NFL and NBA teams owned by the same group. But this would be the first time I've seen a league having multiple owners of, of different teams in, inside the league. That that's interesting to me. It's definitely interesting. Um, And I feel like things could get a little dicey if, you know, owners are owning more than one team. It's, it's not easy to own a franchise, let alone two. Um, Even if the season's a little shorter, even if the rosters aren't as complex or as big as, you know, an NHL roster or who knows, maybe it could be like an NBA owner, an MLB owner going to own an uh, NWHL team. And then it, comes to well what are they really in this for do they know what they're doing are they just in it for business are they actually passionate about trying to grow um the women's game so you know if it's somebody who's very passionate you know take like LeBron James who's very passionate about the WNBA or Kobe RIP who did everything in his power to try to grow the women's game if it's someone like that of that caliber then oh yeah absolutely that's going to be fantastic but then it cuts, you know, gets down to again, why? What's the the end game here? What is, what's the motive behind it? Do you actually want to own this team? Do you actually want to be part of trying to 
grow the game successfully and grow it in the right way? Or are you just doing it because it looks good on a resume kind of thing? Um, but it's great that they're expanding. I think it's great that it's in Montreal, obviously a big hockey city up there. I love that. And their fans are so super passionate up there as well. So really, really excited for the NWHL. They obviously just expanded with Toronto and they are killing it this year. So it'd be nice to see that kind of success with other expansion teams going forward. And it just says a lot about the growth of the game. I mean, this will be the second team in as many years. That's fantastic. There's obviously a lot of women out there who want to play. And again, it's growing the, the league and it's growing the game. And that's great for, for young women and young girls who want to play hockey and they're seeing this, their league grow. So I'm all for it. I hope it is again, for the right reasons that owners want to own the teams and I hope it's successful. And that's, that's all you can hope for. You want, the teams to be competitive like the Toronto six this year and just hope hopefully that it, it continues to grow in this direction. Yeah. The both for the NHL and the NWHL uh, expansion teams are entering their respective leagues and they're finding instant success, which has to give ownership groups a lot of incentive to, you know, get behind, uh, you know, get behind the product, get behind, you know, owning a, a new franchise because it's not the like the old days of uh, you know the expansion Atlanta Thrashers where you're just going to be held down year after year, never getting any better. Uh, no one's interested in coming to your games. Uh, it's obviously a plus when you're in a booming hockey market. But uh, yeah, I mean uh, it. The fact that the league has had this type of uh, success is continuing to grow, and also there's no shortage of talent. Uh, you know you have the the NCAA full of women talent. Uh, you have, uh, you know, especially at the, at the Olympic level as well. I mean, there, there are a number of women who would love to be able to play professionally with the understanding, of course, that, you know, as we've talked about on uh, past episodes that, uh, you know, they would, uh, it would not financially be able to be something that would be their primary form of employment. They, uh, you know, they, they are working other jobs as well, but to be able to live out their dream of playing professionally, uh, the talent pool is there. Uh, it, the I think that if the business continues to show this type of promise that it has over this last season, uh, you know, we could see another two, three, four teams pop up. Uh, you know, suddenly you're you're talking about you know, ten to twelve teams uh, in this league and spreading things out a little bit. Uh, Haley, am I correct in assuming that this expansion into the Montreal market is not going to factor into your decision on which uh, which team to choose uh, to support? Yeah, definitely not going to be a Montreal fan, so that doesn't matter. If they were coming to Texas, then I would, ha I would have to wait to pick a team until, until the Texas team became a thing, which, by the way, come to Texas, please. We need more women's sports here. I need more, more games that I can go to. Um, but it, it is exciting that they're expanding it because we want more viewership. We want more people supporting the NWHL, and more teams can do that for them. I'm really excited to see how this tournament, this Isabel Cup is going to do for them and the potential to just keep expanding and keep having women live out these dreams. And hopefully one day it could be their primary employment. Yeah, I mean, we, we hope that for, uh, if, if the league continues to do well, revenue-wise especially, and, you know, if they can get a, a primary TV deal, uh, if if they continue to do well through streaming, they get more uh, advertising sponsors. That's going to continue to build revenue for the league, and and yeah, the, these teams can afford to pay their players more. And hopefully, yeah, we, we would love that to be the end goal for them. Uh, 
So take that unnamed Montreal franchise. Haley's not going to be supporting you uh, right off the bat. Doesn't need, we don't even need to have a name. You don't even have to have a roster yet. Uh, just She says no way to you. So before I move on to Charlie, are you saying, Haley, that – so say you pick your, your, uh, your franchise, your NWHL preferred team, and the league does continue to expand. They expand specifically into Texas – do you jump ship? Do you immediately switch your allegiance to the te- new Texas franchise? Not immediately. Because okay. when I got, like, I pick a team, right? And I start to watch them and I'm either going to become a diehard fan or it's just me like, okay, like they're fun to watch, but I could take it or leave it. But if I end up loving the team, I'm not going to switch from it. So it just depends. I mean, literally none of my teams are like Texas teams anyway. So what does that matter, right? That's true. That's true. Well, at the, at the very least, hopefully, uh, I know Texas is a massive state, but hopefully it's close enough to you if the league eventually expands into the Texas market that you'd be able to yeah. go to some games. Probably not. Um, all of the areas so far that have major teams are in any sports are San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston, none of which are very close to me. We are getting an Austin MLS team, men's soccer, so – There'll be one major sport near me, but Texas isn't my end goal anyway. So I don't think that my location where I live is going to factor into it. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you do have the Texas stars over there. I mean, I can't imagine there's a ton of rinks. So, uh, you know, they might station a team where it needs to play around uh, maybe even, even in that same rink. You never know. Then I would definitely have to support them in person. Whether or not they were my number one team, I would definitely have to go see them and cheer for them while I was there. There we go. So, yeah, I think we all hope that the NWHL continues to expand uh, into – I mean, and Dallas is a great hockey market. You know, we saw the, the, the amount of support that it got, um, you know, on its Stanley Cup run. You didn't get to – unfortunately, you didn't get to see fans in the stands uh, for that Cup run, but – I've seen the crowds at, in, uh, in Dallas uh, for, uh, especially in the, the stars runs back in like the late nineties, that, that market actually does have an affinity for hockey. It can come and go, but uh, yeah. Uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll continue to see it, it continue to expand. So Charlie, have you, uh, you know, and not to put you on the spot, have you watched any uh, NWHL games so far? Uh, you know, the, the league was going, it had it shut down. Uh, you know, it will have uh, the resumption of its season uh, for the, uh, the Isabel Cup this weekend. Uh, a lot of the games have been streaming on Twitch. Have you tuned in at all, or is this just a, a brand new product to you? Uh, honestly, it's completely brand new. I, uh, I never watched a game. Um, I did start watching women's college hockey last year, um, which I found entertaining. Um, it's just hockey, you know. I, I liked watching it. I found myself watching it more than I think anyone else around here. Um, but I never really knew that there was a national, like a real hockey league that they could go to, um, after college, uh, until I heard about it on here. Um, and I haven't still, I still haven't really looked into it yet. Um, cause you know, I've just been busy doing my thing, but, uh, to hear that it's expanding and like doing well, obviously has to bring, you know, good vibes to everything. Um, there's nothing to be, you know, upset about if it's expanding. So look at that. Not only are we reaching our listeners and informing them about uh, the NWHL, we are uh, actually informing our castmates, our line mates uh, about the growth of the league. So there we go. NWHL, you just got yourself a new fan in Charlie, just like that. Um, I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll manage to, uh, to tune in for an Isabel cup game this weekend. Um, yeah. I mean, and 
watching um, NCAA women's hockey uh, in this market in particular in the Massachusetts area, I mean, I mean, we have a gold mine of uh, fantastic, uh, talented uh, college teams up here. So uh, it, it's no, I'm not surprised that uh, you tuned in uh, because, you know, the hockey East especially uh, is super competitive uh, for, for women's hockey. So uh, there's a, a huge talent pool up here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, so I'm not surprised. It's, it's a great product on the ice. And the NWHL also a great product. And we will get into it a little bit later. So Charlie might be, going at it a little bit blind and maybe playing a little bit of Russian roulette when he makes his prediction. But uh, listen, if he gets it right, he's, he's an expert. Um, so yeah, as kind of mentioned off the top, not as much news to really dig into uh, unless you want to spend time talking about the millionth COVID pause that a team has gone under. No, thank you. Uh, it's, it's bad. We hope the NHL can work its way through it, but I wanted to kind of move in before we get to our main event of the evening wanted to kind of, uh, you know, take what usually is our last segment of, the, of each show and move it into the middle here. And that's talking about the teams that have impressed us over the last week or so and the teams that are just disgusting us. Uh, bleh. Yeah, disgusting us with, uh, with, with their play. Uh, so, uh, so, Lauren, I want to start with you first. Uh, over this last week or so, who's really stood out to you? Um, obviously, your Avs. Uh, they, they're, they're looking excellent right now, uh, seven in a row. I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I know that they're going to be on your list. Uh, but, you know, who, who's impressing you and who's, uh, you know, who's letting you down over this last stretch? And obviously the Avs. I know I say it every week, but as you said, seven wins in a row. And they are my favorite to win the Stanley Cup. So, Every week that they just continue to impress me makes me a little more confident in my prediction. But, um, you know, it's always great. I, th- I just feel like they're a likable team, and it's nice to see them continue to do well. Um, as for teams who are not really on my radar because they suck right now, um, the Buffalo Sabres, <laughs> to put it lightly, they've lost 14 in a row, and I don't know if there's really anything else to say. Um they fired their head coach. I can't remember if that was talked about or if that had happened before our last episode. Um, but they fired their head coach. Team's just falling apart. And that's, I mean, 14 in a row. What else can you say about that? Um, and the Blackhawks, I mean, I didn't really expect too, too much from them anyway. But they've lost four in a row. and But they're right out of the division picture. I mean, the playoff picture right now. Um, they are fifth right behind the Panthers. Um, so they've kind of disappointed me with their losing streak. Um, but that's really it. I mean, Bruins haven't played, so they can't, uh, make me happy or disappoint me. So it's kind of a win-win there. Exactly. It's hard. Yeah. Hard to get you uh, too riled up in either direction when uh, they've been unable to play any games. Uh, so Charlie, I want to go to you next, uh, you know, over this last stretch. I mean, so do you watch, games around the NHL, uh, you know, games around the league, or do you uh, typically focus just on the Bruins and with them unable to play games? Have you been, you know, kind of tuning in elsewhere? Uh, you know, who's, uh, who's kind of catching your eye right now? Um, instead of teams, I'm going to have to pick two players. Um, Mike Zabanajad this past week has been absolutely unreal after he fell off a cliff to start the season. I know a lot of people were talking about him and, you know, they didn't think he was going to, you know, perform as badly as he was. And then he comes out and has a six point game. Like it's crazy how he he's was wicked cold and all of a sudden wicked hot. Um, and I, I know he's a stud. Like I know he's a, a star in the game, um, but to see him playing at this level right now is pretty crazy. 
Um, and I think another player is uh, Philip Grubauer. Um, mm-hmm. I drafted him on my fantasy hockey team this year in probably like the 12th round um, because of his playoff run last year. You know, it was kind of a toss up. What, what version were we going to get this year? And so far, absolutely outstanding. I think, you know, Colorado couldn't have asked for a better goaltender um, throughout this season. Yeah, I don't know if it's Lauren's influence or, or what, but I'm just, I'm getting so into watching Colorado play. I just, I, I, I love their style. I absolutely, I think that they have, I mean, they, they, they were my, my pick to make the cup final last season, um, you know, when we made our, our initial Snipe and Sally predictions. But uh, I just, I absolutely adore the way that they play. Uh, I think they have a super stacked roster. And yeah, Grubauer, to your point, is, uh, is really playing well right now. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Colorado's a, a real threat out there in the Honda West division. They're three points behind Vegas. I mean, Vegas is a wagon too. Those two teams are, I mean, God, cause, but even Minnesota, like Minnesota's playing really well too. Minnesota's nipping on their heels. So uh, you know, really it's those three teams that are going to be fighting it out Right now, St. Louis is kind of in a dogfight, uh, you know, trying to hold off uh, L.A. L.A. has been kind of surprising. You know, they're hovering around 500, but they're, they're not far off a playoff spot. So, you know, St. Louis has, St. Louis has got some problems. They just paid, uh, you know, Jordan Bennington, but Bennington is continuing to look like a head case. He's, uh, you know, going in and trying to, like, make people flinch, like leaving his net. Like, I cannot believe the Bruins lost Stanley Cup to that guy. Um, I, I can't stand him. Um, before Does it make I, you I, hurt more if you uh, when he was on the P Bruins for a little while? The fact that he was a Providence Bruin and uh, and the fact that like he ended up you know going to the Blues as just a, a, a fill in and just caught lightning in a bottle. I mean, uh, he's such an average goaltender, and he he'll forever have that Stanley Cup, and that just oh that bothers me to no end. Uh, it, <laughs> It's the beauty of the game, but it frustrates you when you lose to that team. Oh, my. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> uh, before I talk about the, you know, the, the teams that have been uh, impressing and, uh, and letting me down, I want to give Haley a chance here. Uh, you know, I know that you've been watching a lot of Sharks, Haley, but, um, you know, I want to give you a chance to talk about uh, both them uh, and your disappointing Philadelphia Flyers, perhaps. Uh, well, yeah, because neither of these teams are doing anything good to try to make playoffs. I mean, the Flyers literally lost 9 nothing, 9 nothing. Like, I don't really know if you can get much worse than that this season. So I've kind of lost all hope in them. I'm still going to root for them, but at this point, I'm feeling like the, the Bruins are my only hope when it comes to the playoffs for a team to root for because the Sharks aren't making it and the Flyers aren't making it. Um, and... With that, I would say that the, the Islanders are surprising me. And God, do I hate New York teams so much. I just want every New York team to lose in every sport. That's how much I hate New York teams. But unfortunately, the Islanders are number one in their division. So they're going on my surprising that they're doing really well. And of course, the Flyers, I just need them to know that the only thing I love about y'all right now is gritty. Y'all suck. Y'all are burning pile of trash right now, and maybe, just maybe, you might win some games from yeah. some tough love. Yeah, I mean, tough love might be the last resort for Philly right now. They they definitely look rough. 
they've lost seven of their last 10 games. Uh, they've now given up 13 more goals than they've scored. So scoring's an issue. Goaltending's an issue. Carter Hart, uh, you know, starting to slip a little bit. Uh, promising young goalie, going through a, a bit of a rough stretch. Uh, so, yeah, listen, all that being said, Hales, they're two points out of a playoff spot. Uh, I mean, they can, if they can get it together, uh, then you will be watching playoff hockey. But as of right now, uh, they're definitely in the middle of a rough stretch. Being a Flyers and Phillies fan, this is typical, okay? They're going to give you some hope, and then they're going to take it all away. And you're not going to get to the playoffs. You might miss the playoffs by literally one game, and that is what it is to be a Philadelphia fan, except for the Eagles, like, Fuck the Eagles, never going to like the Eagles. But Flyers and Phillies, like, they do this all the time. I think the last time I watched the Phillies in the playoffs was when I was in college, and it was during my birthday, and they lost to the Cardinals. So they break my heart all the time. I don't know why I'm not more used to it. Yeah, I mean, listen, it gets – it just becomes part of the DNA at some point. Maybe you got to get used to it. I mean, I'm – you know, and our our very good friend, Mitch, who uh, I've been trying to get into hockey, and she's a budding Bruins fan. uh, You know, she texted me one night during uh, yet another very close, low-scoring Bruins game saying, am I going to have heart attacks every night? And I said, yes, that that is literally part of the staple, part of the DNA of being a Boston Bruins fan. Every single game is going to give you a heart attack. Uh, and just wait until your heart goes through <laughs> through your throat uh, during the po- uh, during the playoffs. It's just uh, it's what makes the game so beautiful. The, a quarter of an inch uh, in either direction uh, can can decide a game. I, I love it. As for myself, um, so uh, as Haley mentioned, the Islanders continue to stay red hot. Uh, I you know I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my Isles uh, on uh, on this pod. They've they've won eight of the last ten, and despite that have not been able to gain any ground on Washington because Washington has also won eight of their last 10. Uh, they just lost their last one, but uh, they had won eight of nine. They look fantastic right now. They're each of them are, are gaining a little bit of ground on Boston, although Boston has like three, four, five games in hand on them. So they, they could bridge that gap pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, not to stay in the Mass Mutual East Division, but Pittsburgh uh, is starting to look really good. Um, you know, they're, they're getting improved goaltending from Tristan Jari. Uh, they, they, they're scoring. They, they've really righted the ship, and I, I wrote them off pretty early. So, uh, you know, mea culpa to, to Pittsburgh. Uh, they definitely don't look like a team that will move Sidney Crosby anytime soon. They, they said that they weren't going to, but it was a media-driven story. I, I think that story is pretty much dead. They, they look firmly like a playoff team at the moment, although things can change. Teams that are letting me down, I mean, God, uh, Lauren mentioned Chicago before. They've now lost four in a row. I was really rooting for this squad because they're incredibly young. Uh, like they, you know, they let Corey Crawford go. They said we're going full youth movement, and they were surprising teams. They're currently still sitting in, in the fourth spot uh, in their division, um, in the Discover Central division, a distant fourth uh, because, you know, f- uh, you have – Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Florida all kind of competing for that top spot. They're all within a couple few points of each other. Uh, they all look like wagons right now. But you, all of a sudden, you have the, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who we kind of left for dead. They're now sneaking in. They're, they're tied technically in points, but they've played one, one more game. So Columbus could take that spot from Chicago uh, pretty quickly. Dallas is somehow not dead. Uh, they're just like the definition of average. They're at 10, 10, and 8. Uh, but because they, they have some games in hand, they're only, you know, four or five points out of a playoff spot, so they can make a run. 
even Nashville, who as Charlie mentioned earlier, who's shopping at home, they could make a run like that. Uh, you have like a, a battle for that final playoff spot with three teams, very secure. So uh, that division is, uh, is disappointing me as a whole because it's very top heavy. You've got three excellent teams and then a bunch of average crap. Uh, so we'll have to see uh, how things shake out there. And, uh, and yeah, again, cannot uh, stress enough how impressed I am with uh, the Honda West division and both Vegas and Colorado. Uh, those teams just look like they're on another collision course uh, to potentially meet in, in the conference finals. Uh, well, no, I, I'm sorry. They can't, they can't meet in the conference finals. They have to play each other uh, to get out of their own division. So that'll be a, uh, you know, that'll be a battle of heavyweights. I cannot wait to see that matchup in the postseason. <sighs> so, uh, and uh, fine, I'm sorry, one more. I would be remiss if I didn't mention once again, the sound of the Toronto Maple Leafs crash landing back to earth. They have uh, lost six out of 10. Uh, they are currently tied with Edmonton uh, atop the Scotia North division. They're technically still in first because they have a couple games in hand, but uh, between Edmonton and Winnipeg, uh, they could both pass them soon. Toronto could end up third in this division after leading it for the majority of the season, looking like world beaters, they have uh, crash landed back down to earth. And I look forward to seeing their annual postseason futility uh, when they inevitably lose in the playoffs. doesn't matter who they're going to play. Uh, usually it's Boston who ends their season, but uh, you know, this, this year we, uh, we can get, uh, get a, a, a all Canadian matchup and, uh, and see them exit that way. So we'll see what happens. That's enough from me. Um, I wanted to touch, again, we've uh, referenced it a couple times already, but we do have the Isabel Cup semifinals and finals this weekend. And I want to get some predictions from our crew before we move on to our main event and talk some fights. So to give you a glimpse of the schedule here, we have Boston-Toronto postseason hockey. It is a tradition that Boston defeats Toronto in the playoffs, and it is takes center stage again here in the NWHL. So on Friday, uh, the 26th, so depending on when you're listening to this episode, could be you know, a couple days from now, could be day of, not sure. Uh, but we have Boston versus Toronto, 5 p.m. on Friday, the 26th at Warrior Ice Arena in Boston. So Boston does have some home ice advantage. Uh, go, go pride. Uh, we also then have, again, at Warrior Ice Arena at 8 p.m., Connecticut and Minnesota. So that one's again at 8 p.m. So uh, doubleheader. Uh, again, these games are going to be on N NBCSN. And then the winners of those games will play Saturday, March 27th at 7 p.m. Again at Warrior Ice Arena. So Boston, Toronto, Connecticut, Minnesota. Want to get predictions from our crew here. Uh, so just we'll go uh, around, uh, around the room here. So Lauren, we'll start with you first. Who are your winners in both those games? And who do you think wins the Isabel Cup? So this one is really hard because all the teams in the, the semifinals are incredible. Um, Boston and Toronto certainly will be a battle. They were both starting to heat up toward the end of the season. And obviously Toronto is a Cinderella story being that first, uh, being in its first season. But I mean, the Boston pride are hungry. They are motivated and they have momentum swinging in their way and they're playing on their home ice. So even though there won't be fans, there's still some comfort in playing in your home arena. And I think, I think Boston will win. Um, I think it's going to be a gritty win. I think it's going to be, you know, 2-1, 3-2, something like that. It's going to be really tough. 
but I do think they'll squeak out a win. And I think Minnesota will come away victorious too. And we will have um, what should have been the, a rematch of the 2020 Isabel Cup, um, Isabel Cup final. And I, I just, I can't go against the pride being the Isabel Cup winner this year. I just think, like I said, the momentum is just in their favor. There's, there's so much on the line for them. Jillian Dempsey told me that they are just so, so hungry for this cup. Uh, they're doing everything they can. Their practices have been going really well. They've been communicating ever since the, the season was paused. They never stopped with their communication. And Jillian Dempsey wants another cup. She hasn't won one since the first in WHL season. And she's been so close to them. So she's, she's ready. You know, she's been there. She was supposed to be there last year and couldn't get it. Then she's just, she wants to get her hands on another one. And I can't blame her. I, I want that for them too. Um, and, you know, again, I just think they're a complete team. I think for the most part, they're, you know, 99.9% .9 healthy. And that's going to be huge. They got some rest that maybe they wouldn't have, obviously wouldn't have gotten if the Lake Placid bubble continued. So this kind of, it's, it's everything is working in their favor for them to win. And it would just cap off an incredible season, especially if they're being able, like, being able to play at Warrior. It's, it's right there. It's all written. They just need to <laughs> sign it off and close it. Exactly. Uh, it, it's written in the stars for them. It, you know, in a weird twist of fate, they went from having to play in the Lake Placid bubble to actually having legitimate home ice advantage. They do play, again, they do play their regular home games at Warrior Ice Arena. So this is their home rink. They know the ice. They know the bounces off the end boards. Uh, you know, they do have a legitimate advantage here. So we'll have to see if it works out for the pride. Uh, I'm going to go for, uh, myself here per, uh, personally before we head over to both Haley and Charlie. Uh, so Boston and Toronto, it's just, it's written in the stars. Uh, it is fate. Toronto does not defeat Boston in playoff hockey. Okay. No matter what level that is at the Boston pride will win. We will get a game winning goal from Sammy Davis. Uh, that will be how this game concludes uh, Toronto. Fantastic season for the six uh, in their, their inaugural year. Unfortunately, they will go home because it's just, listen, you can blame the Maple Leafs, all right? You know, your, your brothers uh, there in Toronto, it is, they have written the, the, they've written this history for you. You are not destined to beat Boston. Uh, you will lose to the pride. So my apologies to the very hardworking ladies of the Toronto Six. I have to go with an all, I have to go with an all New England final, all right? So I'm going with Connecticut over Minnesota. Uh, just because, listen, that's the closest thing we're going to get to, like the uh, the Hartford Whalers uh, <laughs> is uh, is Connecticut. Uh, so I I have a Boston versus Connecticut final, and yeah, I'm not going to go against the Pride. Uh, this we did not claim that this was an unbiased podcast. Okay, uh, we we cover all forms of hockey, but it, uh, we didn't say that we would be unbiased. So uh, the Boston Pride over Connecticut uh, to win the Isabel Cup, uh, a hard earned Isabel Cup. Charlie, I'm going to go to you next because, uh, listen, admittedly, this is like you filling out an NCAA uh, uh, bracket. Like, uh, you know, you, no one's going to fault you for not watching Wichita State all year long. Uh, so um, who do you uh, – are you going to dare go against our panel here uh, uh, in the first matchup, Boston versus Toronto? Um, if any of my friends know me very well, it's that I love to be different. Um, so I think I'm going to trust in, uh, you know, a brand new inaugural season and I'll take Toronto over Boston. 
uh, and a little bit of an upset, I guess. Uh, I know that's not supposed to work that way, but maybe, you know, the women's league will be a little different. And uh, I think on the other side, uh, my, my secondary team in the AHL is the Wild. So I'll take Toronto, Minnesota. Um, but I can't give Toronto a cup, so I'll give I'll give it to Minnesota. <laughs> well, I mean, Minnesota is the state of hockey, so uh, so there you go. So we got uh, two pride votes uh, for to to win the uh, the Isabel Cup and one for Minnesota. So Hales, it's up to you. So um, first matchup of uh, of the Friday uh, slate: Boston versus Toronto. Who you got? Boston, duh. That's that's my team right now at least, but probably for the foreseen future here, I've got to go with Boston. And the fact that, you know, there's no fans kind of sucks, but they're still going to be home ice advantage. So even though there's no fans there, I feel like they practice on this ice. They know this arena. They, they have the fire lit under them to win. So I have to go with Boston. Um, I do not know much about the other teams. To be honest, I've really only paid attention to Boston so far. Um, so I'm going to trust Lauren on this one because I feel like she's definitely the one most immersed in the NWHL and she covers it for Nesson. So I'm going to go with her and have Minnesota and Boston in the final for a rematch, but Boston taking it for the win. Connecticut Whale, are you listening? I know you are. I am your lone supporter here. Uh, yeah, close thing, we'll get to the Hartford Whalers. I need you to pull off this victory for me uh, for bragging rights on the Snipe and Sally cast. So even though I have you losing to the Boston Pride in the cup final, I mean, you know, I had you getting there at least. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but your reverse jinx might just make them lose. So, But, but I'm not intending to reverse jinx. They're, they're like – in my mind, I know when I'm reverse jinxing it and when I'm not. Uh, so, a Connecticut whale, congratulations on your victory. Uh, so, uh, we'll have to see. Again, uh, these games will be on NBCSN. So, uh, you know, when you have a, ch- a chance this weekend, tune in. Uh, obviously, the NCAA uh, hockey um, uh, tournament is starting as well uh, uh, for, for the men's. So, uh, you know, there's going to be hockey all over the place. There's going to be NCAA uh, hockey. There's going to be the NWHL uh, semifinals and final. There's going to be NHL action. I mean, you could make this a action-packed hockey weekend, and, and we hope that you all do. So, and, you know, maybe listen to this episode a couple more times. You know, get, juice our listens a little bit. With that being said, it is time, ding, 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 for our main event. We want to talk fights, our favorite hockey fights of all time. Uh, our crew has come prepared with at least our, fir- our favorite, you know, handful of fights, two or three that we want to discuss. We, we don't know each other's picks at this point. So we're, we're going to be surprised here. There could be some overlap. Um, but I want to start off uh, with Lauren. I want you to kind of, instead of going, uh, you know, yeah, instead of like, uh, you know, going one at a time, I want you to, to talk about all of your favorite fights to see if we can start a, a, a conversation here. So what fights did you come to today's episode with Lauren? Well, my first one um, is probably one of my favorites. Um, it's so I don't like I don't really remember watching it live. It was something I grew up with. Uh, Cam Neely and Claude Lemieux in 1995. Um, you know, this was obviously toward toward the end of Neely's career, and I don't really know what led up to it. Again, I wasn't really 
huge into hockey when I was five years old, but um, I feel like uh, Cam Neely just had enough, and he was dragging Claude Lemieux around, throwing him into the boards, and he was just done. Like, he was just over it, Um, and it was, it was great. It was, it's, if you guys haven't seen the video, it's incredible, Um, and it's just also, like, kind of nostalgic because it's old school hockey. It's Cam Neely. Every every Bruins fan, every NHL fan knows who Cam Neely is. Um, so that one, um, I did. I did throw in Mike Milbury's fight when he beat the fan with a shoe, just for good measure, just because everyone knows what that is. Um, I don't know if I would like call it one of my favorites. Um, but in 2007, Zidane Chara and David Krejci. I'm sorry, not David Krejci. Wow, um, David Kochi got into a big fight um and I believe he um Kochi had a broken nose already um and he tried to fight Chara he left his he was bloody looked like he just got the crap kicked out of him and I mean uh, he did Chara's massive obviously um so that one that one was good just because I mean you don't see a lot of people try to fight Chara for a number of reasons you see a lot of people turtle out of it um and then I feel like I'm just going all Bruins here. Um, I'll round it out with this in another 2007 fight, Sean Thornton and Riley Cody. Um, yes. This one was just absolutely incredible. It was just haymaker after haymaker. Um, and most of them connected. Like these were like not just missing. These guys were not missing their punches. They were hitting each other. Um, Thornton obviously won. Um, but that we gotta give props to Cody there. That was that was a hell of a fight. And uh I mean Sean Thornton, big bad Bruin, he was the enforcer there for so long. But those those three certainly stick out more so the last two because that's you know, prime hockey. It's when I was really like starting to cover hockey and just really like consume it with my life. Um so those three, but I'd say Cam Neely and Lemieux take the cake for that one. Yeah, listen, uh, Claude Lemieux deserved every beating that he ever took because uh, he was a, a real piece of garbage. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, and unfortunately, the apple has not fallen far from the tree with his son, Brendan. Um, yeah. But uh, listen, uh, a lot of, uh, and these are, these are fantastic selections by Lauren. A hockey fight is like a rare art. Does have a great hockey fight is like a rare art because so many fights especially these days usually it's someone trying to uh to you know provide some energy maybe it's someone going after someone for uh you know taking a shot a cheap shot at one of his teammates uh you know aka jared tenorti going after tom wilson a few weeks ago uh but the majority of the time you see just people kind of they dance around a little bit, uh, you know, one grabs the other so that, you know, it's just impossible for a punch to be thrown. Uh, and then just the referees step in and they, they break it up. You don't get to see too many fights that, uh, especially uh, the one you described uh, with Sean Thornton, Lauren, where there were, it was legitimately like a boxing match. Like there were punches connecting uh, that really gets, especially when crowds are in the stands, crowds go more nuts for a good fight than they do for, for a, a big goal. They really do uh, because it's, it is exponentially more rare. Uh, and, uh, and especially for a home crowd, like if you're trying to get back into a game or you're winning uh, and you see a fight there too, like it just gets the blood going. So it, uh, it really is rare to see a good one. And, and these were all really good ones, Lauren, uh, for sure. 
So Charlie, you, you know, you jumped on this episode because you wanted to talk fights. So I'm excited to hear your picks here. Um, you know, you were mentioning a few in the, the um, FTF media chat a little bit earlier today, but uh, you know, what are your, some of your favorite hockey fights ever? Um, so uh, I just first want to give a shout out to uh, Knuckles Nylon. Uh, I do own a old Bruins Knuckles Nylon jersey. Nice. Um, you know, he, he really, my dad showed me videos of, you know, his old fights and that's really what got me into hockey. Um, and then I always, that's what I stayed for was, was the fight aspect of it. Um, so, I mean, the, the two that I like clearly remember, you know, clear as day, the first one is the, the stars Bruins in 08. Um, you know, uh, Steve uh, being a little punk bitch that he is that game. Uh, you know, he, it looked like he was going to fight at first and they wouldn't let him, you know, they called off the fight, uh, with Thornton and then he has that cheap hit, uh, against the boards behind the net. And it looks like Shane Hindy's going to go with him, and Steve Ott doesn't want a single part of that. Um, and then finally, you know, the stars throw Sean Avery on the ice and he gets to go with Ferentz and then it's like all hell breaks loose and it wasn't even really a hockey match anymore. It was more of a, uh, you know, a boxing fight. Um, and it was just one of those games that like, especially at the age that I was at back then, that you, it's just a game that you can never really forget. Um, especially with how late the fight started, you know, it took until the middle of the second, uh, start of the third to really get going. Um, so you could see the buildup in both teams, um, you know, throughout, throughout the end of that game. Um, and then the, the other one that I vividly remember is, uh, Matt Cook versus Evander Kane in 2010, uh, both, you know, youngins and, Cook's following Kane around and, you know, Kane wanted to send a message to him and it looks like this good fight's about to go down. And then Kane hits him with one right and Cook is knocked. He is just, he went to bed on the ice, you know, he fell asleep in front of the fans and, um, you know, they were all cheering for him as uh, I, I remember the video, they were showing people, you know, uh, clapping for him as he's going off the ice and I couldn't have been one of those people. There's no way that, uh, you know, as an opposing uh, fan, I'm not cheering for you. You lost the fight, and, and that's the way that it goes. <laughs> yeah, and I think Evander Kane was like 19 years old at this time. Uh, this was very early in his career, and that was the point where Matt Cook had a penchant across the NHL for being a super, super dirty player, uh, obviously. Uh, he single-handedly ruined Mark Savard's career, uh, one of my favorite Bruins. Uh, with his, uh, you know, his, his cheap uh, headshots that he would give out every now and then. So I definitely was, uh, was very pleased with Evander Kane for, uh, for, for that knockout. But the, uh, the Stars-Bruins fight that you mentioned, that's an important distinction. When you're someone like Steve Ott and, you know, you're going around, you're agitating, uh, you're, you're, you're throwing around hits that might be a little bit questionable, and you don't answer the bell, that's pathetic. Like when you force your teammates to fight your own battles for you because you're too much of a coward, like do not, you know, keep it clean to, uh, to begin with. I mean, there are plenty of ways to, to lay someone out, but to, to do it legally. Uh, like, uh, you know, there are some absolutely beautiful hits, like high speed collisions that are just, they're, they're fantastic, but they're, they're clean. You know, they're, they're not from the blind side. Uh, you know, they're not putting the player in a compromising position. Uh, they're just, you know, good, hard hits. So if you're doing something a little bit suspect and the other team wants to have a go at you uh, and, you know, settle things by dropping the gloves and you don't do it, like 
you're a coward. And Steve Ott was definitely that type of guy. So, yeah, that game was one of my favorites of the, the pre-Stanley Cup uh, Bruins. Uh, you know, the, they finally made their cup run in 2011. Uh, but, you know, those, those early, uh, those late 2000s teams uh, were a ton of fun to watch. And I believe that game in particular, I think that was like a seven to four, eight to five game. Like there was a lot of scoring in that game. So you had scoring, you had fights, you had excitement. Like that was a really fun game to watch. Uh, that's definitely memorable for me. In terms of regular season games, one of my most memorable from a Bruins perspective. I absolutely agree, Charlie. And I, I did, I should have probably mentioned this off the top because, you know, listen, we, we talked a couple episodes ago about uh, head trauma uh, in the National Hockey League and uh, how, you know, teams need to do, and the league in general needs to do a better job of uh, making sure that players are uh, okay post-career, especially due to all the head trauma that, uh, that they, they induce. Head trauma, uh, you know, obviously you can in, uh, get head trauma from uh, getting in fights regularly, but I, I do believe that there's no conflict of interest in us talking about this because uh, I, I believe that a, a fight between two willing parties, uh, you know, you are, you're, taking a, you're taking a risk. Uh, yes, there, there's head trauma associated with, uh, with fighting, but uh, it is much different than someone getting clipped up high by Tom Wilson when he doesn't see him coming. Uh, so, you know, I just wanted to lay that out, lay it out that, you know, we think that this is a big part of the game. We want to talk about it, but uh, we understand that, uh, you know, head trauma is still very important. Uh, we hope that, uh, that players uh, are able to, uh, to, to remain safe while entertaining us by fighting. So be remiss if I didn't mention that. Hales, I'm really, really excited to hear uh, some of yours because I, I know one that absolutely has to be on your list given your affinity for the Philadelphia Flyers. So I'm excited to hear here, uh, you talk about coming up here. Give me one second. I'm going in the bedroom because my cat's trying to play with his super loud toy <laughs> after jumping on the stove and trying to lick that. So, you know, ah. have those. Um, okay. So I want to, I have two flyers ones, but I'm going to start with a Dallas Stars player uh, versus a Carolina player. I know that the Stars player's last name is Downey. I don't know how to say the Carolina player's last name. It's like Bull Rice, something along that line. Um, but it kind of is a lot like Charlie's where they size each other up and then Downey on the Stars, he takes one swing and knocks the guy clean out. So it's not like a long fight. It's not something that is getting the, at least the other side of the fans hyped for any reason. But Dallas sure was hyped because he just – one punch out, done, move on, next thing going on. Um, unfortunately, I don't know what year it was. I didn't write that down, but I watched, I watched it on YouTube again today. And so it was just pretty funny to me. Just the other guy, poor guy. You think you're getting in a hockey fight and you just get KO'd out of nowhere. So, you know, my condolences to him. Um, as for the Flyers one, there was a all-out brawl versus the Ottawa Senators back in 04. It started with Brashear and uh, versus Rob Ray, and Brashear had won that. Rob Ray left the ice bleeding, and then it just – I mean, this is the very end of the game. The Flyers won, and it was literally a brawl. Everybody on that ice was fighting somebody, which I find to be, you know – pretty exciting when it comes to a hockey fight when you've got the entire team involved that that's pretty awesome and um 
lastly, I know Mark actually pointed this one out to me again, but for those of you who follow hockey or have for a long time, then you know who Ron Hextel is. Yes. He's a Flyers goalie who liked to get in a lot of fights. I mean, I literally watched this YouTube video today of his fights and it just kept going, like just going and going. And he literally went down, um, Mark, you have to remind me of the other goalie's name. But he literally goes down the entire ice, takes off his hockey mask, and gets in a goalie versus goalie fight matchup and totally wins it. And it was one of the coolest things I'd seen. I love this goalie on goalie hockey fight. Kind of wish I saw it more often. Yeah, uh, so the the fight that you're referencing uh, is Hextel versus Felix Potvin. Um One of the most notable uh, fights really ever, but especially because it was between goalies. But Hextel was one of the most entertaining goalies of all time because uh, he would obviously he played at a high level, but would also get into a number of fights and would also occasionally score goals uh, from the, the goalie position. So just an absolutely incredible, entertaining player to watch. Yeah. And he it didn't just seem to like to only get into fights. He liked to antagonize people to purposely start a fight. So you would see him just hit, players legs with his stick and stuff he just seemed like that was his character he was the goon he was gonna just cause mayhem on that ice which is really cool and and goalies in general uh and i say this as the brother of a goalie uh to be a goalie you have to be a little bit crazy uh and so (laughs) goalies are always kind of going uh they feel like they're entitled to their space uh around around the net if you're in their crease uh they will let you know they will paddle you uh, they will shove you. They'll two-hand you. Uh, you know, uh, Tim Thomas was someone who did this quite a bit. Sometimes goals would score on him because he was too busy trying to, to shove someone out of his crease to realize that a shot was coming. Uh, so <laughs> goalies are, are crazy. And, and it's actually a good segue into my favorite fights because goalie fights will be prevalent uh, here on my list because goalie fights are, quite frankly, the most fascinating thing in all of existence to me uh, because here's the nature of a hockey fight. As I kind of referenced before, sometimes it's a team that's, you know, down by a couple goals They're, They seem dead and they, they need a, a jolt of energy. Someone will volunteer to drop the gloves uh, and, and, you know, pump the bench up. You always see them tapping their sticks uh, you know, on, on the bench to, you know, kind of congratulate their, their, their teammate for, you know, giving them a little bit of life. Uh, sometimes it's trying to uh, go after someone who has, uh, you know, uh, put a, uh, you know, a cheap shot on your teammate uh, and you're trying to get retribution that way. There's a number of different ways to get into fights, number of reasons to get into fights. Maybe uh, two guys, they just, they've been going at it all game. They're frustrated and they just want to, you know, pound each other to, <laughs> to, uh, to settle their, their score. But goalies are stationed 200 feet away from each other. They interact never over the course of a game. So there is no incentive for them to fight one another, but it happens occasionally. It, it, it does happen. And it's fascinating because number one, they have the big bulky pads on so they can barely move. They're like skating out to each other, uh, like trying to not fall over uh, there. You know, the, most goalie fights will uh, involve, you know, someone trying to, uh, to do the, uh, the, the Kenny Wu uh, stick glove shirt, like try and, and pull the other goalie's uh, shirt over his head so that he can't see what he's doing and then they can win the fight. Like they just look like uh, 
you know, that scene from the office where, uh, where the, uh, you know, Jim and Stanley are wearing the sumo wrestler gear uh, and trying to, uh, trying to fight each other. Uh, like it just, it, it looks so awkward. So it's, it's just so entertaining to me. Uh, and so to that end, the first fight on my list is Patrick Waugh versus Chris Osgood. This was a super entertaining fight. Patrick Waugh, uh, like I referenced earlier, is a, a psychopath. Uh, he was crazy uh, in net. And Chris Osgood was aggressive as well. So uh, this was when Waugh was with Colorado and Osgood was with Detroit. This is before um, Dominic Hasek made, made it out there to Detroit. So uh, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. The, in general, Colorado and Detroit had some heated, heated matchups. Those teams were really good. Um, you know, they were constantly meeting in the playoffs back when Detroit was in the Western Conference. Uh, so these teams were always frustrated with one another. And it, it got to the point where Patrick Waugh decided, hey, I'm going to take it out on Chris Osgood because uh, <laughs> I'm super frustrated right now. And, uh, and they went at it. And it actually ended with Waugh like, throwing Chris Osgood into the boards. Uh, again, he's very padded up, uh, you know, got like marshmallows around him with that goalie padding. But uh, like he actually threw him into the boards like a rag doll. Again, just super entertaining. Look up Chris Osgood versus Patrick Waugh if you have a chance. My other one also involves goalie. So again, goalie fights, uh, very prevalent on my list. And it's going to involve Haley's Philadelphia Flyers. This was uh, somewhat more recent. It was only about seven years ago. And it was um, Ray Emery versus Braden Holtby. And this was actually one that started off as kind of like a line brawl. It was both teams kind of going after one another. And eventually it just, again, there's no reason for goalies to do this, but they wandered out to each other. Emery wandered out to Holt B and started beating the snot out of him. Uh, and it, it was great. It was so entertaining. So the, the mixture of the line brawl plus the two goalies going at one another uh, is just absolutely fantastic. It's so entertaining to me. And it went on for a while too. It wasn't the usual one where just, you know, they, they dance around one another and, uh, and they, they get broken up. They, they actually went toe-to-toe. It was super fun to watch. So, again, look for Ray Emery versus Braden Holtby if you have a chance. Hockeyfights.net is excellent as well. You know, definitely check out that website as well. The next one on my list uh, is Bob Probert, uh, widely regarded as one of the best fighters in the history of the National Hockey League. Uh, he was playing for Detroit at the time against another one of the most prominent fighters of all time, the diminutive Ty Domi. Uh, Domi was playing for the Rangers at the time. This is before his time with the Leafs. He was actually like trying to make a name for himself at this time uh, as kind of like an energy agitator player. And he actually like had to beg Bob Probert, like, let's go. Like, you know, like, like Probert was like, you're kind of like a little itty bitty guy. Like Ty Domi was not a tall, uh, a tall guy. I think he was like five, eight, five, nine on skates. Uh, And Probert was a big dude. Uh, but Domi held his own and that was kind of like his first big fight. And he like was throwing legitimate haymakers at Probert. And uh, this is just one that it didn't last too long. It was probably only about like 30 to 40 seconds, but it was really entertaining. And if you just want to see like just connection after connection, like these guys were going at each other. Like they, they, they hit each other good. And finally, uh, like Lauren, I could not let this segment go by without mentioning a Boston Bruin and, when I mentioned Boston Bruins and fights, uh, and it's not Sean Thornton, you know what name's going to come up. It's PJ Stock, uh, one of my favorite Bruins of all time because he could not find the back of the net for the life of him. Uh, he was five foot ten, uh, but he could scrap. He could throw hands, 
And this was in the early 2000s, this was 2002, Bruins and uh, in Washington. He fought with Stephen Pete, and he fought Stephen Pete at least four times. Uh, but this was uh, one of the most notable. This was on, uh, you know, and again, uh, relevant to our topic last episode. This was on ABC, an ABC Saturday matinee. We'll be getting those back next season uh, with the new TV deal. This was a, an ABC game between the Bruins and Caps on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Bruins were up like seven to three or six to three. Like it was a high scoring game. And uh, PJ Stock decided to just throw hands with Stephen Pete. And the speed and the ferocity that these fists were flying, it was nuts. Actually, Olaf Kolzig and Byron Defoe got into a fight that day too. So again, goalie fight manages to work its way into, uh, into my list uh, for the third time. But uh, just look up Stephen Pete versus PJ Stock because they got into a number of fights. But this one in particular, uh, it was just like, they 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 were exhausted by the end of it because they were throwing so many punches and actually pj stock won the fight but he was the one who was worse for wear because pete got him underneath the eye and uh, and he he was cut bad uh it was like when rocky uh, cut drago in rocky four uh you know he had a bad cut underneath the eye but he won the fight and uh and you know he would always raise his arms and pump up the td garden crowd or i think it was still called the fleet center at that time uh, but after each one of his fights, it was just tremendous. It was, it was fantastic. Um, but if any of you listening have a favorite hockey fight of all time, uh, please, please, please tweet, tweet us at snipe N, uh, the, the, the letter N, Selly Pod on Twitter. Uh, and tell us uh, if there's one that we just was a glaring omission that, uh, that you really enjoyed. Um, and, uh, and also, you know, maybe we'll put out a poll, see, uh, you know, who had, uh, who had the best, uh, list of fights here. Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely interact with us on Twitter because hockey fights is something that brings everyone together. Uh, so with that being said, I want to wrap up, uh, tonight's episode, um, and see if anyone has any empty netters for us. So Lauren, I want to go to you first. Do you have an empty netter for us as we close out tonight's show? Yeah, I'm just super excited for the, NW, the NWHL to come back. Um, the games are going to be, like I said, really fast-paced, really fun. And I hope people tune in. This is a huge opportunity for the women to be playing on NBC. And hopefully this helps grow their game even more. So if you're not doing anything Friday or Saturday night, you have no reason not to tune in. And it's not like it's not accessible. Like, it's it's right there on NBC. This is a channel everybody has access to. So it's... Like I said, it's going to be fun. If you've never tuned in, please do. These these are playoff games, so you know you're going to get the best hockey from these women. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, p- please tune in. Again, uh, it's, you know, on a, on a Friday evening and then a Saturday evening. Uh, you know, you don't want to be going out right now anyway. You want to stay safe. Uh, you know, let's stay and watch some great hockey. Um, again, there's going to be plenty of awesome hockey on this weekend. And make sure that the NWHL is part of that list. So I agree, Lauren. Uh, and, uh, and listen, we're not unbiased, so go Boston Pride, unless you're Charlie. Uh, Charlie, thank you for uh, making your Snipe and Sally debut tonight. And do you have any closing thoughts for us, any empty netters? Yeah, I, I appreciate you bringing me on here. Um, yeah, uh, I will definitely be tuning in uh, this weekend to the NWHL, no doubt, now that I know where to find it. Um, and if there's a quick empty net that I have, it's uh, I want Kyle Palmieri in a Bruins jersey uh, within the next two weeks. Make it happen. 
Yeah, listen, Don Sweeney, you need uh, you need to make a move fast. You need to improve the secondary scoring of the Bruins uh, if you want them to compete for uh, for a cup this year. So listen to Charlie. Uh, you know, Paul Mary is someone who I thought the Bruins could target last year. Didn't do it, uh, or at least we're told that he wasn't going to move. So yeah, let's uh, let's see if, uh, if if Donnie can make it happen. Uh, you know, it's do or die for him with this core. So thank you, Charlie. Hales, do you have an empty netter for us uh, tonight? Anything? Any closing thoughts? I'm going to say go Boston Pride and go Minnesota because I want you to be wrong, Mark. Uh, I mean, yeah, Haley likes to, to twist the knife a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, um, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see what happens in that, that. We have some tension now for that second matchup, which is good. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, we're looking forward to see, uh, you know, go Connecticut Whale. Uh, as for myself, uh, again, just wanted to thank all of our listeners uh, for continuing to, you know, find different ways to find us uh, as we you know, are on our new channel here. Uh, we definitely appreciate your support. And again, just please, if you have a hockey fan in your life, uh, they want you know, some fun, entertaining hockey talk, please, 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 please share uh, Snipe and Sally with them on uh, Apple, on Spotify, on any platform. Uh, we really appreciate your support and we hope, to, uh, we hope that you can share this, ep- this episode and other episodes with uh, with any hockey fans in your life. We do fun topics like this pretty uh, constantly. We've previously done an Ugly Jerseys episode. That episode is unfortunately no longer up. It was deleted. Um, but we also have, um, uh, we'll have some other topics coming up. So we'll, we'll do, keep doing some fun stuff. So again, just thank you all for your support. I want to go around and let all of my line mates know where our listeners can find them online, where else they can listen to them. So we'll start with our guest, Charlie, first. Uh, where can our, our uh, listeners find you online, Charlie, and where else can they listen to you on the FTF Media Network? Uh, yeah, my Instagram is charlie.johnsonkiff, and my Twitter handle is at johnsonkiff, uh, johnson underscore kiff. And uh, yeah, I have a new podcast out right now called The, uh, the Clouded Mind. Um, all about mental health. Um, the first episode, including my stories on there. And I also brought my guest, uh, my buddy Alex on uh, last week. And I hope to have a new episode out by uh, the end of the week. So hopefully you go check it out sometime. Yeah, please give Charlie's pod a listen. We're just, we're super excited to have uh, this in our, our FTF media portfolio of shows. Charlie's fantastic. And this is a topic that, I mean, we talked about on one of our last episodes. Uh, mental health is very, very important to keep the conversation going and to make it loud. And Charlie's doing his part uh, in telling some fantastic stories, having on some excellent guests. And so uh, we would encourage you to, uh, to go listen to, uh, to each of his two active episodes and then uh, you know, subscribe and, and listen, uh, listen more. So give Charlie a follow as well. Uh, we enjoyed having him here on the show today. Lauren. To you next, where can our listeners find you? Where else can they listen to you and, uh, and find your fantastic coverage of uh, both the Boston Pride and the Bruins for Nesson? Everyone can find me on Twitter and Instagram at la 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 Lauren, three laws, and then Lauren with four R's. You can also hear me on the Stealing Second pod here on FTF. Um, we are recording our second episode of our new season next week, um, which is super exciting because obviously MLB season is beginning in about two, two-ish weeks. So we're really excited to get in the groove there and bring you guys some baseball content each week. Uh, you can also hear me and find me on Nesson.com doing a ton of Bruin stuff and WHL stuff, um, particularly this week with NWHL, of course. 
Uh, you can also find me on or listen to me on the Nesson Bruins podcast once a week. Um, and I believe that's it. She believes that's it. Lauren does so much. Uh, she is everywhere. She does so much for us at FTF and obviously for Nesson as well. And we just are super, super grateful for, uh, for the fact that she blesses us with her time. Uh, we love having her as a line mate. Haley, where, uh, you know, some, talk about someone who does a ton for FTF Media. Uh, where are all the places? Have you ever written down by now all the different places that our listeners can find you? No, but that would be really smart. Uh, I'm going to start with For the Fans Media, though. You can find For the Fans Media on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok under that, For the Fans Media. So check that out. Also, ForTheFansMedia.com is where you're going to find all of us, all of our different podcast pages. So you can go and subscribe to them all. Any news or updates, you're going to see them there first. Um, and there's also a giveaway going on. So please go check out that article. We are raising money for a friend of mine that needs a second hearing aid. And it is very expensive. And you can only get medical loans so many years apart from when you got the first one. So she's not able to get a loan for it. With that, you can find me personally on Instagram and Twitter at CSI Haley and on TikTok at CSI Haley 91. And I also co-run and co-host Gridiron Girls, which is at Girls Gridiron on Twitter, Gridiron Girls Pod on Instagram, and the Fierce and Flawed Pod, which is Fierce and Flawed on Twitter and Fierce and Flawed Pod on Instagram. Now I can breathe. <laughs> she, uh, she hasn't written it down yet, but at least she has it memorized. Uh, that's fantastic. Thank you, Haley. Uh, and I could not be more uh, proud to have, uh, have Haley as my partner here. Uh, with FTF Media, and uh, you know we want to continue to take it to the next level. Uh, so thank you, Hales. As for myself, I can be found on Twitter at Mark Pacelli13. That is P-I-S-E-L-L-I. I can also be heard on Views from the Rafters, FTF Media's basketball podcast. We took a little hiatus last week. One of our castmates had a little procedure. He's doing great, and we'll be back with an episode this week. I can also be found on NerdPod, uh, talking all things entertainment. Our next episode, uh, I'll probably be coming out against the Snyder Cut, so uh, definitely listen to that for anyone who is very much uh, wowed by the Snyder Cut. I was not. Uh, and you can also hear me on the Fierce and Flawed podcast with Haley. Uh, and again, check out ForTheFansMedia.com. We have some tremendous content on the website, so you know, please give it a look. With that being said, that is going to do it for tonight's episode. Uh, be Stay tuned for us next week. And until then, enjoy all the action on the ice. Goodbye, everybody.